Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. And today we talked with Kenny Ryan, the current director of skill and development training for Rolston Hockey Academy and Little Caesars program in Detroit, Michigan. With me as always, my co-host, Danny Heath of Project Hockey. And this was awesome. I loved having Kenny on. I hope we get him on a few more times just because he's done a lot in the game and he's doing a lot in the game. And one thing that I loved about his podcast and his interview was when and I didn't know this going in but the decision he made to leave BC and go to the OHL uh, and make that jump and that transition was it was extremely interesting and something that all hockey players should hear because at every level there's decisions that have to be made and so that was big what'd you what'd you think of it coach Totally. Yeah. I thought that was a great, uh, great story there. I, uh, I really liked when he touched on his experience with championship teams and he, you know, throughout his career, he's been on a bunch of a handful, whether, you know, through youth hockey and then with, uh, team USA in the development program, and then jumping over and winning a Memorial cup with the Windsor Spitfires and some of the takeaways he had for, um, you know, what, what helped build and create the culture of a winning team, uh, in his experience and kind of what he translates into, the, the players he coaches now. So I think that's a, a pretty cool part that I'm excited for people to listen to. So uh, with that, I think we should just jump right into it. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a like, give us a follow, a subscription, share with your friends, teammates, neighbors, anybody you know, get them going, get them fired up to go to the rink. Danny, you got anything else to add? Should we get this thing rolling? I say we get it rolling. Anytime you get a Memorial Cup champion on, it's time to go. So let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. HockeyWolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. I bet you can't guess what they sell. All right, let's go to the interview. Originally hailing from Franklin, Michigan, and coming up through the famed Honey Baked AAA program, he played his uh, junior hockey for the U.S. National Team Development Program, which included two World Junior Championships, culminating in an IIHF U18 World Championship gold medal. Let's go. By, let's go. He was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second round, 50th overall in the 20, uh, 2009 draft, in which then he played two seasons in the OHL for the Windsor Spitfires, winning the Memorial Cup, then moving on to an eight-year pro career covering stops in the AHL, ECHL, and even over in Europe playing in Switzerland for a season. Uh, he's currently the Director of Skill Development Training Skill and Development Training for Rolston Hockey Academy and the Deputy Director of Skill and Development Training for Little Caesars, as well as the owner of KR Hockey Development. Kenny Ryan, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How's it going today? Pretty good. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. We're happy to have you here, man. We're very excited. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, happy to come on. Uh, you know, not too much going on these days with uh, the whole quarantine, but trying to stay busy and um, 
you know, it's nice to talk to some guys in the hockey world. For sure. And we, we appreciate you again coming on and we're loving what you're doing. And that's how we kind of got connected just through those awesome interviews you're doing with a bunch of guys that play in the NHL. And we'll, we'll definitely dig into that as we go. But before we do, uh, Cameron gave us the cliff note version of your career. If you want to dive into just the background of your hockey career and how you got um, sitting in that seat on the Let's Go Hockey podcast that you are today. Yeah, so um, I actually, so I grew up outside Detroit, and I'm actually from kind of a football family. My my dad played football at Notre Dame. My brother played at Michigan, and we I always grew up just with a rink in the backyard, and I was the youngest of uh, three boys, so I was always you know getting beat up by them, and uh, <laughs> always had the rink in the backyard. But I started playing uh, my youth hockey with Honey Bakes probably started that around when I was eight or nine and then my entire career I played with Honey Baked right up until the U.S. National Development Program um, which was an incredible experience in itself. Um, you know, they have a great two-year program there. I think it was great uh, you know, from a hockey standpoint but also you know maturing as a person and learning you know this is the next state uh, phase of my career and then um, you know I was committed to Boston College at the time, uh, leaving there and going to play for the Windsor Spitfires in the OHL. Had a great time there. We were successful, uh, some great teammates. Uh, we were able to win there. And then that, uh, you know, kind of started my pro career. I, just, I love hearing stories of guys and especially being an American kid and, and listening to guys that went to that national team development program and uh, always have good things to say about it. What, what was that like if you want to dive into detail of just, I mean, what they put you through and maybe what a, what a day would be like there and then just the the honor and privilege it was to represent your country. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at any level that you play at, you know, it's always an honor to wear USA jersey or represent your country. You know, doesn't matter what age level, you know, it's something that you don't take for granted. And, you know, it's a, it's a big deal to not just the guys in the locker room, but the people that invest their time to help with your training, the coaches, but... You know, when we got there, I was used to, you know, my youth hockey was basically Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, you know, practices and games, basically. So I went from that to, you know, moving in with a new family to you get to the rink at 145 or so, you have a meeting, you have your on ice practice for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 45, depending on the time of the year. And then you get off the ice, you have your off-ice training, whether that was, um, you know, lifting, boxing, uh, cardio, conditioning, um, recovery. We wouldn't get out of the rink until 7 o'clock or so, and then you head home, you do your schoolwork, you wake up the next morning, you do it again for two years in a row. So that was, uh, you know, very challenging. I think I learned a lot about myself, not just as a hockey player, but, you know, how far you can push your body physically and especially mentally. I mean, I'm a big believer that, you know, the mental side of the game is if not more important than the physical side. So I think, you know, whether it was what we were going through at that time, whether I realized it then or looking back on it, especially I can see how that, uh, you know, benefited me or helped me throughout my own career. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I, I know, uh, in talking with a few other people that went through that program and, and I had the opportunity to, to do a little mentorship internship with the program a few years back. And I mean, it's just mind boggling how, like what a successful program that is and like what it's become and, and how well it prepares 
athletes like yourself to, to not only represent the, the country, but also, you know, prepare yourself for a, a career in hockey. Like it, it turns these kids into pros very, you know, over a two year period. I mean, it's just amazing to me. I, I just think it's such a successful program. It's just, I, I love learning about it really. Yeah, like hearing about it. for sure. And you know, it, I look back at it too. It's like, I was able to, you know, play overseas in probably four or five tournaments through being on that team. And, you know, those were experiences or countries that I was able to visit or travel to or make relationships with guys or other teams that, you know, if it wasn't for hockey and it wasn't for me being on that team, I, I never would have experienced half of it. So I think from a hockey standpoint, um, you know, guys have their views, just like any guy on any team would have some really liked it. Some don't, but, um, for me personally, I, I have nothing but good things to say about it and, you know, couldn't have been happier about my time there. I think the um, the only negative is that they cut me at Final 40 camp, I think, the year before <laughs> years. So. Other than that, they got, make all, that one. they got it all pretty dialed in, so yeah. we'll see. <laughs> they did their scouting on you, on the heater. They knew. They knew. Um, yeah. So one thing that we were, just, we were just talking about before we started recording was um, – that may not show up in your bio all the time, but you were an early commit to Boston college. Can you go into that um, and tell us a little bit about the background on that and, and, and kind of how that, that played out for you? Yeah. So, you know, the plan was, and as it did happen, um, you know, I went to the U S program and I committed to Boston college. And, you know, after I was fortunately drafted, um, you know, I was going to go to BC for the time being and as long or for however long that may have been. Um, I ended up spending two months there, but, um, you know, looking back on it, I, at the time, I think my first D1 offer I had was Thanksgiving time of when I was in eighth grade. Um, well, a little side story. I'm, I'm, I'm a 91, but I'm actually school wise. I was a year behind all the kids. So like when I went to the U S program, everybody was a junior in high school, their first year, I was a sophomore. So through my high school career, I actually did online class and skipped the full year so I could graduate on time with my birth year. Um, but going back to, you know, when I decided to go to Boston College, I committed before I went into my freshman year of high school. And, you know, it's funny looking back on it now, you know, you, I had that first offer from Notre Dame around Thanksgiving time. And for me, it was like, you know, once word got out that they had offered, you know, then Ohio State, then Michigan, then Boston College, North Dakota, like all the schools start coming out and, you know, they, they want you to narrow it down to what schools you're interested in. And then it got to a point where I'm not even a freshman in high school and they're starting to put pressure on, hey, we need to, you know, you need to make a decision here because if it's not you, we have to move on, which I, you know, I, I understand, but my mindset was I'm going to be going to, uh, Ann Arbor, where the U.S. program was. Uh, both my brothers were going to school there at Michigan. Uh, Notre Dame was an unbelievable school. My dad went there. So me being 14 years old or however old I was, it was I want to pave my own way. I want to do my own thing, which at the time it was great. I mean, I to this day, I won't say one bad thing about Boston College. I think any person who has a to go play there should. I mean, it's an incredible school in history. But through those four or five years before I actually got there, um, you know, things changed in my life. I, I moved to Boston. I, I kind of wanted to be closer to home. I wasn't fully in it. You know, I made that decision five years ago. You know, I, I look back, if I would have gone to Michigan or, or Notre Dame, 
you know, would I have stayed for two or four years? Would I have, you know, my career been different? But I look at it in the sense of, you know, I was so fortunate, oddly enough, that 09 team Boston College won the national championship and the Windsor Spitfire won the Mem Cup. So I was going to win regardless that year. <laughs> but um, Destined to be but, a uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I think that's just all, you know, personal reasons, um, you know, none that I'm uh, shy away from talking about, but I think for me and my career and where I was, that was just the best decision for me. And, you know, Jerry York at Boston College, I mean, he he's one of the classiest men I've ever met in the hockey game. He's been around for years. And, you know, it, I was so nervous going into it. And we sat down and he talked and, you know, he was still just very a respectable person about me making that decision. I mean, sure, he doesn't want to lose one of his players that he has coming in, but you know, I, I left with almost more respect for for him and the you know Boston College program than I almost had going into. So, what given given your your you know, everything you just ran through? What are your thoughts on the NCAA just changing some of the recruitment? Um, dates where you know the younger players in that seventh eighth ninth grade um, really aren't making college commitments or aren't, aren't able to and it's been pushed into the junior year now well I you know I, I don't know the exact rules on this but from when I was coming up it was OHL or, or the CHL Canadian Hockey League had access to the younger kids because they had their draft at 15 so they're allowed to you know go talk to all these kids and teams and you know and these school packages where, you know, every kid that's on the ice has a scholarship in the CHL. Um, but then that limits NCAA hockey. You know, you can't talk to these kids or, hey, I got a buddy that wants you to call this coach or I have a friend. And, you know, you yeah. try and get in contact that way without, you know, breaking any of the rules. But I, I think that there's, you know, there's got to be some way where, you know, the teams can contact and be in touch with these kids. But I also think, it's seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, it's great. It's cool. Hey, I got a full ride and I'm going to do this. But, you know, kids develop differently at later times, whether that's in hockey or just in life. And, you know, people change their minds from in a five-year window from what you think you want when you're worried about middle school to going into the NHL draft, um, you know, what's important, what's not. And so I think there's just got to be a way um, that it benefits both, but especially the U.S. kids that want to play college hockey and getting exposed to that, um, you know, at an earlier age almost. Yeah, that's that's a story. And I, I didn't know too much about that. Um, so I appreciate you sharing. And you brought up the idea that, you know, you were going to win any any in any league that you're in that year because Spitfire, that you guys won the Memorial Cup. And uh, I think I read somewhere once that the Memorial Cup is actually the hardest trophy to win, like the way you have to do it, go through your league and then make it to the Memorial Cup and then win that. And so you, you won that. Um, you were on world junior teams and Team USA uh, teams that won championships. What do you think made those teams successful and ultimately special to do those things? So what what's special about the U.S. program is, you know, when we're there, it's a two-year program. So kids move from all over the country. Um, you're there, you all go to school together and you really create this environment that, you, you know, you're all in this together. And the main goal is your second year, that under 18 world championships. I mean, that's from day one, your first year, that's what you're working towards. And, um, 
you know, for us, when I was there, I was fortunate enough to play for Ron Ralston, who's, you know, coached in the AHL, the NHL. Um, I believe he's with Providence right now coaching. And I, I'm a big believer in, you know, every coach you have, there's things that you like, there's things that you don't like. But I've found that teams that have been successful and the guys that I've talked to is any, any team that wants to win for their coach, I think, I mean, it's without saying you're already putting yourself at an advantage. Um, you know, we had the mindset, especially when we were in Windsor. Um, but, you know, you go into practice, you're going to have your days where you're, uh, you're not feeling it or you're coming off a tough win. You have some hard practices coming up. But if you have that relationship with your coach where he's, you know, has the best interest for you and wants to see you do well, and by you doing well, that creates success for the team. And the team has a mindset that, man, I like it. this guy's giving us off days or, you know, we're having fun at other practices. It, it creates an environment where as a player, you see the coach putting in so much time, you don't want to let him down. And I, I think that really can have an effect on a team or an organization when you can really get behind one guy and it, you know, it, it really has a trickle down effect. I, I, that's such a good thing, especially just for coaches to hear like your coach wants, like your player should want to win for you um, and with you. And uh, because of the work you put in the type of person you are and you, you touched uh, on the U S program. Was it, was it a lot like that for the Spitfires as well? Um, it was definitely different. Um, you know, you go yeah. from a high school structure, uh, you know, we're, we're young kids to going to the OHL and, you know, our team that we had, I mean, I think it was one of the, I'm obviously biased, but best teams assembled in the OHL. Our first power play, I've said this before, but it was Cam Fowler, Ryan Ellis, Zach Cassian, Adam, Adam Henrique, and Taylor Hall on the first power play. So you have, yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> so from a coaching standpoint, and I think this is where our coaches did so well, and I think it's so important, especially as you get older, is, you are a coach, but I think it's almost you're, you have to manage personalities. Like, I think it's just as important to have a relationship with each individual guy to get the most out of their own playing career. I mean, at that time we had, you know, Cam Fowler and Taylor Hall were going into their draft. I mean, it, it was Hall and Sagan were one or two and Cam was supposed to go top five. He ended up going, I think, 11th or so. So you have that going on, and then you have a guy like Ryan Ellis that just got sent back to juniors after you know he had a legitimate chance of making the NHL, and then you got you know Adam Henry, Zach Cassian, I mean all first rounders. So it's guys are at all different points of their own individual career, and our, I think our coaches did such a great job of you know navigating through that to have the players on the team peaking at the right point guys bought into their their roles of what's going to help make our team successful and you know fortunately we were, we were able to do that and it, you mentioned a few guys um i mean guys that are obviously doing well in the nhl right now guys that will play in the olympics uh moving forward if if they allow nhl guys back and um a number of guys that are just they're at just the highest levels in, in their career um did those players do anything that kind of stood out to you that, you know, might help a, a youth kid that's listening to this that, you know, I, I'm sure they worked hard and they, they love the game, but w was there something else that you're like, yeah, th this guy did this every single day and he um, benefited? I mean, I look at it. I think that there are some guys that are just meant to play hockey. 
he and make the NHL yeah. no matter what they do. I mean, they just they have that God given talent. And don't get me wrong, they work hard, but you could work as hard as you can in your entire life. And for some reason, you might not just be that guy, you know, have that gift of talent that that guy has. So I play with some guys that have that, but then you, you get into the, like, like Taylor Hall, for example, when I play with him in juniors, you knew the second you're on the ice with him, he's going to have a 10 to 20 year career in that NHL. But then where it gets scary is then when that guy starts putting in the work, when he starts doing the extra stuff and, you know, you see that a guy with his skill starting to figure out how to work hard, how to train, how to properly get his body ready for, you know, an 80 game season plus playoffs. And so from that standpoint, um, you know, I think at every level there's each year gets more important from eight years old to 15 to 20. You know, if you're not changing or adapting your game, you're going to get left behind. So I think it's, um, you know, I was told when I was younger, you know, I don't care how many goals you score. I'm more worried about a rim puck coming around to your wing and you getting it out clean every time. Because mm-hmm. as you get older, the, the talent pool gets closer and closer. You know, if you're the best player at 15, you're not going to be the best player at 20. You, you might be one of the best, but then how are you going to separate yourself from every guy that's been the best player on their team their entire life? And that's where I think the roles of teams and how coaches structure their practices or, you know, their identity um, really plays a big factor. Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that last point. You know, I, at the, the national camps, the guy, there's a lot of, which, which I'm sure you were part of before you went to the, the national development program. But I, the, the 15 camp, they give a, a presentation to those kids every year. You know, the kids are like, oh, I made the national camp, made the 15 yep. camp. I'm on my way, right? Well, they like literally day one of that camp, they give a presentation and they say every year without fail, 50% of you are here in this room will not make the 16 camp because everyone else right. that's out there is coming after you and they're on your heels and you've got it. You know, that quote you just said, you've got to change and adapt your game given the levels and put in that work. I think you're exactly right on that. Um, yeah. I, I'll, uh, you know, I'll never forget right after I was drafted, uh, Brian Burke was the GM at the time. And right after I was drafted, I walked over, introduced myself and I mean, he literally, you know, shook my hand and patted me on the back and just goes, all right, well, uh, now you got, you know, your, your pat on the back. Now it's time to work because there's, you know, another 30,000 kids at that age group that didn't get drafted today that are upset. And now they're, they're starting to work and, you know, they they look at it as they were passed over. So now I'm going to go chase down every guy that was drafted. And I think that happens at every level, whether you're cut from a triple A team or a house team, or you didn't make that junior team, you know, it's more of a motivational tool than, you know, it can be something that you works against you. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're exactly right. And so let's look at that uh, from the coaching perspective. So as you're coming up through the ranks um, and you're, we're talking about changing and adapting to those different levels, can you look back on your career and, and, and think about some of the coaches you played for and how they impacted your development in a positive way? Yeah. So, um, you know, my youth hockey had a guy, um, by the name of Doug Atami, who he was, you know, a youth coach in Detroit for years. Um, and at that time, you know, it was show up to the ring for your practices. There wasn't too much skill training or emphasis on that. And you know, we just had a good team and, you know, we had fun doing it. But I think when I got to the U.S. program and uh, Ron Ralston was the head coach there, 
I think that was kind of eye-opening to me that there's a lot more that goes into hockey than just putting your skates on and playing. Um, you know, I that he was the guy that first taught me about details in hockey, you know, about stopping in front of the net. It doesn't matter if it's just in practice or, you know, shooting the puck like as if you're in a game and, you know, the video side and the training and really becoming a full-time athlete. Um, you know, I, I, I think that guys go to their jobs nine to five and hockey players need to, you know, take that mindset into you get to the rink in the morning and then, you're there until one o'clock, let's say. And then when you leave, you know, your day's not done. Now you need to worry about your recovery, your eating habits, your rest, your mindset of, you know, it's a full-time job. So I think uh, Ron Ralston really was the first coach that taught me that side of it, uh, you know, how important details are and those never change at whatever level of the game you're playing. And then, you know, when I got to Windsor, I had uh, Bob Bugner, Warren Reichel, DJ Smith, Bob Jones, um, Smitty and Jones are assistant head coach in Ottawa. Um, Boogie is, I think, the head coach for San Jose right now. Um, and, you know, they were more pro style. Like, I'll never forget my first playoffs. The week before we went in, we had a meeting. We had a packet. Every guy on the opposing team, full scouting report. We went through systems. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. So it got to the point where – by the time the game started, all you had to do was just go play. You already knew every face-off. You already – all the preparation was done. And I think that's the, the sign of a good coach is when there's nothing left to, to question. You know, a neutral zone face-off on the D side, where's the, where's the winger going? Well, you know, there's no question. And if there is something messed up, it's now on the player. Um, so I think they really taught me or us, you know, phasing us in into that pro style. And then, you know, when I got to pros, I was with uh, Dallas Eakins for about three or four years. Um, He was a great coach, um, really cared about, again, the details of the game. I think that's the one thing I always go back to is every coach I've had at every level since I was 15, it's about details. And uh, I don't think that's anything that goes away. So I, I've played for some great coaches. Um, I still have relationships with all of them. So I was fortunate in that sense. For sure. And that, for me, like you always kind of become your head coach or your assistant coach. And uh, now that you're working more as like a skill development and doing training and helping young hockey players and older hockey players and established hockey players become better, what are some of like your coaching philosophies and thought processes when you're, when you're working with, you know, these players that you are? Um, so, I mean, I think it all depends on the, the age group in a sense, but, you know, I look at, so my, my philosophy is when I start working with a, let's say a seven or eight year old, I don't want to teach them. I'm not worried about how good they are when they're eight or nine years old. I want to start giving them the tools and the foundation to where that will transfer over to when they're 15, 16, 17, when, you know, quote unquote, the years matter. I mean, every year matters, but when you're starting to figure out, Hey, could this be, could I be a college player? Could, could this be a career or something that I do? So I think when you're young or especially when you're working with young kids, you know, it's simple and it never goes away. It's, your stick placement, you know, stick on puck when you're, when you're turning your head placement, stopping in front of the net, you know, those are all 
very small details that you can teach at a very young age. So when they're 12 and 13, that's just natural to them. They know they don't fly by a net after a shot or they stop for a rebound. Um, and a lot of it too, I, I believe is, you know, breaking, breaking their habits down and rebuilding it. You know, some kids are taught certain things from coaches and I'm one where whatever I teach isn't, isn't right. It's not wrong, but everybody has their own beliefs. So what I believe in may be different from you guys or, you know, another coach in the area, but I believe in that. So that's what I want to teach. So I find that when I teach something, a lot of it, I have to basically break down some of these players habits and get them to that, you know, that level playing field and then start working away at it. Um, you know, a simple thing. I, I, I'm a big believer in your outside edge, and I don't think it's very it's taught very much at a younger age because the kids necessarily, you know, aren't physically ready to work on that type of stuff. But if you can start working on that when they're eight, nine, ten years old, then by twelve they're already that much, you know, ahead of other players. And that all goes back to breaking it down. I mean, I first time I started working with these kids on this stuff. I mean. The, you would have thought there was a slip and slide out on the ice. I mean, kids are falling everywhere and, you know, they're getting frustrated, but we work on it for two weeks. Then you can see the improvement and then you can see, Hey, did you watch this game last night? Do you see what that player did? And then they start building that confidence and, you know, confidence is everything. I mean, at the end of the day, if you, if you have confidence, you, I think you can go very far in whatever you do. So. Yeah. I mean, you just touched on a lot of, uh, huge points for the, the listeners, the kids out listening out there and, and youth coaches as well about, you know, how you think about the development process. And, and I agree with everything you just stated. How does that translate into uh, Rolston Hockey Academy? Tell us a little bit about, you know, I, I know from, from in the hockey world, the players coming through Rolston have been finding success in the last few seasons with USHL draft picks, making national camps, several D1 commits, um, so one, can you give us a little insight into kind of what's making Rolston hockey Academy tick and what's, how you guys are cranking out these successful players? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's pretty interesting. Brian Ralston, who had a, you know, a long NHL career, um, you know, he won a Stanley cup with the devils. Um, you know, he started this, his, his Academy Rolston Academy, probably, I want to say two or three years ago. And, you know, it was more so for his son, um, and his, his hockey buddies, they wanted to be on the ice all the time. And so it started with, you know, basically just a group of five or seven kids. And I think this past year we had, you know, somewhere around 35 kids total. Um, and I, I think it's an incredible setup. Uh, the great thing about it is it's, it's our ice. So the Academy opens from nine, it's open from nine until three and we have ice for six hours. So, the kids will come in, they'll have lessons with me. Um, you know, I try and keep the groups between anywhere from four to seven kids. So there's a lot of teaching involved. Um, you know, I don't think it's a place where I'm putting these kids through workouts. You know, they're getting that with their teams. It's a place to come and work on things that you don't necessarily have the time to, you know, at your practices uh, with your in-season team. So Kids will come in, they'll have a on ice training with me for an hour, hour 15. They'll get off the ice, they'll have um, an hour workout with the um, strength coach and program that we use at the academy. 
And then we have a teacher there full time. So the kids all do online schooling. And, you know, basically, if, if they get their work done for the day, they can work ahead for the week. You know, the kids will be on the ice with me in the morning. If they're done by, let's say, you know, one, one o'clock, they can get back out on the ice for two hours. Um, and that's just free ice for them. That's where, you know, talking with some of my buddies, I think that's where you learn the most is just playing some pickup and, you know, not organized and just getting out there messing around. And that's where you, you create you know, a love for the game. You get some hockey sense, you work on things you didn't know you could do. And that's, that's where the fun is. Absolutely. And we were talking about that with John Lounsbury, who's a skills coach. Um, and he talked about the same thing, like with roller hockey, like that's where you learn so much about hockey and uh, just the, like you said, hockey IQ and, people ask me that all the time. Like, how can I, how should I get, they talk about the IntelliGym and stuff like that. And I'm sure that stuff's great. I've never used it myself, but you want to develop hockey sense, go play shinny or go play in the streets. And um, I, I think that's a huge part of our game. And like you said, it, it brings you, you love hockey again because someone's not there I, telling you what to do. You get to create it yourself. I totally agree. I mean, for most of the guys I know, maybe, maybe you guys as well, but like, I mean, I grew up playing on a rink outside. I wasn't, you know, having practices and everything. It was just until it got to a point where I was asking my parents, hey, I want to plan a team. Then it was, you know, structured. But everything before that, I mean, I, I don't – I think there's a debate. Can you teach hockey IQ? Can you not? You know, right. can you do certain things? I mean, sure, yeah, there, there's things that you can do that will, you know, help that. But mm -hmm. I don't think there's any substitute for just going out there with some you – know, and play. I mean, that that's where I learned, you know, I think everything. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm sure there's some good systems out there, but it's definitely interesting to uh, you know, think or look at. So what are some of like your thoughts on just common traits that make a player stand out, you know, if they want to get recruited, whether it's to go to, uh, you know, the CHL or to play college one day and how, like, how would you develop those traits as a, as their coach? Um, well, first of all, I think every player's path, there, there's no right path. Like, I know guys that, you know, especially in Michigan, it was you got to play AAA, and then you got to go play juniors, and then you got to go play D1. It's like, I know guys that played house or AA their entire life. They went and played high school. They played four years at high school. They went and overaged in the USHL. They registered their first year at, at a D1 program. And now they're in the middle of their fifth NHL year. So I, I'm a believer in if you're good enough and whatever that good enough standard is for you, like people will find you. If your goal is to, I want to play club hockey at the best school in the country. If you push yourself to that level, then that, that's your goal and you can get there. doesn't matter the path that you take, but you know, if you put in the work, you're going to get there. But I think, you know, it's, it's finding your role on a team. I, I think, you know, my two big things that I like to tell, you know, the kids that I work with or you know, through coaching is, you know, do you compete and are you a good teammate? I mean, if, if you have those two things, I think that goes a long way. Um, you can't substitute hard work, but I think you guys would agree with this. I mean, if there was a, a perfect answer or a certain thing that, you know, if you do this, you're going to play in the NHL. Well, you know, I think we'd all be in the NHL right now because yeah. there's not that one key. So, right. um, yeah, 
I think it goes back to, you know, being a good teammate in the sense of, okay, what's your role on the team? Like, you know, you don't have to be the, the 30 to 50 goal scorer on your team when you're 16, 17, 18. You can be that reliable face-off penalty kill guy that gets bucks out. And because there's guys in the NHL that are making $3 million a year doing just that. So I don't think there's necessarily a, a an exact thing, but – I think it does all go back to the details. I mean, you look at the best players in the world, they're still working on the most simple things in hockey. I mean, catching and shooting a puck, pulling pucks off the wall, um, you know, quick releases, different situations. It's, it's not like anybody's reinventing the wheel in a sense. You know, there's not certain drills that you can do that are, are going to work and this is going to, you know, make you successful. But, I do think it's important to, you know, when you are on the ice, you're doing training that translate over into, you know, game situational training and, you know, better prepares you for that season or wherever you are in your career. Yeah. I mean, I think that's phenomenal advice for the the players listening here. I think, uh, you know, there are, there are really no secrets out there, but exactly like you said, knowing, having a good role on the team and, and paying attention to those details and working hard to improve those details, whatever level you're at. What about uh, for youth coaches that are listening? Now, you're, you're having the opportunity to work with a lot of different players, and what would your advice to, to youth coaches that are listening here to help with their player development? Uh, let the kids be kids. Um, you know, I think that there's so much, you know, I've been talking to some old buddies that I've played with growing up. You know, there's such a, my, my kids seven or eight or nine, whatever the age is, and they're going to be in the NHL next year. I mean, that's how it, it looks yeah. or it sounds from some, you know, whether it's parents, families, people you know, or other teammates that you hear of, whatever the, the situation may be. But I, I think at the end of the day, you know, you start playing hockey just because you love playing hockey. And as you get older, maybe you realize you can play college or you can play pro. But when you're that young, I mean, I, I think somebody said it the other day. I was listening to your guys' uh, podcast, and it was, you know, any good coach, um, I forget the exact quote, but their kids want to come back that next year. And yeah. I think that's very important because there's, you know, in the world that we are in today with hockey and training and the access everybody has, it's, you know, the social media, oh, this kid's doing this, I got to do this, or I got to do more of it. And it's like, you know, when I was eight or 10 years old, the second spring hockey came, I didn't touch a hockey stick until fall because I swam all summer. Like that was what I did until I was 15. I, I, I did other sports. And I think that was just as important for my hockey or training um, in my development to be exposed to other sports. And it's not necessarily just the physical side of it. It's, being in locker rooms with other kids, you know, learning about what other kids go through and being a people person in that sense. So I think, um, you know, with the youth development today, it's just, it's important that these kids are out there. You're teaching, you know, fundamentals that are, that will, will stick with them their entire career. You know, you can teach a stick on puck to a eight year old, and if you go to any NHL practice, the coach will say, stick on puck. I mean, it's, there's not much changing. Um, obviously, players get better in the training, like, like that. But 
it's still very, you know, basic. And you got to have a good attitude. The kids have to want to come back and, you know, worry about giving these kids the tools to be successful later on in their career. Don't worry about winning that championship game on a Sunday when you're seven. I, I, that's, that's what I, I preach to all the parents that I've worked with. I, of course, we want to do well. We're going to compete. But if we don't win, that, that's it's not okay. But it is okay because I'm giving your kids the tools through all the practices to make them successful later on. For sure. And that, that was Lindsey Fry who said that, like, if 100% of your kids want to come back next year, you did your job as a coach because right. you, can, you can coach as best as you want, but if all your kids quit, it was all for nothing. And so right. I, I do think that that is something that needs to be talked about. And so um, let's, let's jump into kind of like the new stuff that you're into and your KR hockey development and the, those interviews that you're doing because – you know, there, I know there isn't that magic tool to develop hockey sense, but honestly, it's things like that, those interviews that you're doing with some of these guys that I, I, somehow I dive into your Instagram and then like 45 minutes later I come out and um, I, I'm a better hockey player because of it. Um, and so <laughs> let's, let's jump into that a little bit. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously right now the academy, it's, it's closed due to everything. And so – you know, I was just sitting around, um, you know, my wife is working and in the beginning of this whole quarantine thing, I was like, all right, what am I going to do to stay active? You know, I, I wish I could be on the ice. Um, you know, I'm still in touch with some of the kids that I'm helping with and coaching, but I was kind of just, you know, from the idea of, you know, why don't I just reach out to some of my old teammates and say, Hey, you want to, you know, talk for a half hour, I'll record it, talk about kind of your career, your path and, you know, dive into some more of the development side of it. You know, what got you to where you are today? What, how, how do you think the game's changed and, you know, what's important? So it's been really cool. Um, you know, I've probably done about 10 to 12 of them so far. I think I only have two or three of them online already. But it's just, it's interesting. You know, you, like one of my buddies, Brian Rust, I mean, he's won two Stanley Cups. Um and he, he talks about how, how hard Sidney Crosby works. He's like, you know, you see a guy like that that's in the gym before everybody, leaves the rink after everybody does, and he's legitimately the hardest working guy he's ever been around. He goes, how do I not show up to the rink and work hard? Like, you don't have a choice. So right. it, it's – I'm sure people already know that stuff about him, but it's like, it's like the little stories and learning about, you know, what all these guys have gone through. Um so I'm having fun with it right now. As soon as we get back on the ice, you know, it'll be more, uh, you know, drills and stuff of that nature. But for right now, I think it's a good way to keep everybody active and you know, interested in you know the hockey world. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think I think that you and and Danny and and Vin and I all see you know a lot of similarities in what we're doing. I mean, the reason we started this podcast is exactly what you just walked through. We're trying to share people's stories and experiences to to help bring a level of development uh, out there in a resource and a tool out there to people, especially right now when we don't have access to ice with, with lockdowns and things going on. And so I think, you know, I, I love that. I think we, we look at it pretty, pretty in a pretty similar light. So uh, I, I'd highly recommend everybody checking out that your, your uh, Instagram page and, and checking out those interviews. Cause I, I've been watching them as well. And I think you tap into a lot of great knowledge in those. And I think that's a, a thing that, 
right now in the world, there's more and more of that coming out, but it's, you know, it's sharing those, those paths and those stories, because like you said, not every path is the same for every player. And, and there's a lot of value in, in listening to um, some of those paths. So I love it. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let me, let me jump into your, your final thoughts here. I think we've touched on a ton, a ton of great uh, points here throughout the discussion. Um, but before we wrap this up, let me, let me give you the, the opportunity to touch on any final thoughts before we close out here. Yeah. Um, you know, I just appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, I think it's an exciting time in, in hockey in a sense, you know, like stuff that you guys are doing and that, you know, coaches, you know, throughout the country or the world, however you want to look at it, you know, kids have these platforms to always get better or, you know, they want to work on this. They can look up, you know, whoever's page or type in a video name. So it's, kids are, are getting so much access to hockey and it's cool like what you guys are doing um you know what what i'm doing with these interviews and um you know other players around the league it's it people are getting an insight to you know an nhl player or a locker room and you know the one thing through my experience and you know being around these guys is yes they're nhl players they're olympians but they're just normal like they still deal with the same stuff that you know we all deal with so um, it, it's, it's great to see how they, they handle themselves, the juggling act of being a hockey player to just being a, a dad or, you know, uh, somebody that's just, you know, has this skill and it's gotten them to the level that they're at right now. But I've, I've, I've enjoyed doing it. It's exciting to see what you guys are doing. And at the end of the day, you know, if it gets another kid in the game of hockey, uh, like you guys said, I think we've done our job. Yeah, no, I love it. I think we're, we all have the same goal here. So with that, I want to share a couple of the spots where people can find you. Um, actually, like, why, don't, why don't you throw it out there? If anyone's looking to get in touch with you, where can they find you or look at these videos? Yeah, so my, uh, my Instagram is kr underscore hockey underscore development. Um, on there, you know, I'm putting up videos of on ice training, some off ice, and then that's where I'm doing my, you know, the interviews right now. It's, there's a direct link to, uh, you know, my YouTube page on there. And then, you know, with that, I'm, you know, working with Brian Ralston at the Ralston Hockey Academy. Um, you know, that's the website is Ralston Hockey Academy. You can check and see what we're all about in the Detroit area. Um, you know, we do summer camps, spring camps. There's, uh, you know, if you don't know if it's for you, you can come in and shadow for the day. If there's no charge for that. And, uh, you know, just trying to grow the youth game in, in Detroit and, you know, kind of give back. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. It's been a great transition for me um, from playing to now doing this. And, you know, I almost have a bigger passion for this now than I'll, I almost did when I was playing. Yeah, isn't that funny how the, the coaching, uh, the coaching yeah. bug gets in? I feel the same way. Uh, well, that's awesome. Kenny Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I, uh, I, lo- I love the conversation. I, hopefully we can, we can uh, touch base with you again and, and dive into some more of the details uh, and some of the, the, the points you've talked about, but I'm going to be following along on your Instagram pages and your videos. Keep cranking them out. Um, but before we, we wrap it up, can we get a, can we get a let's go to sign us off? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> my favorite part thank you thank you so much for coming on we appreciate it appreciate it guys thank you 
Kenny Ryan, thank you so much for coming on Let's Go Hockey Podcast. We appreciate your time. And as usual, we're going to jump into those three stars of just our biggest takeaways or things that stuck out or, or things that are just unbelievable and awesome. And so let's jump right into that, Coach. What do you got for third star? Yeah, I think there's a lot of cool stuff in this in this episode. He's definitely an interesting guy doing a lot of good things in the skill development coaching world. Uh, so third star tonight, I'm going to go back to when he was talking about the, the Rolston Hockey Academy and what he's doing there and the importance they place on individual skill development. And and then also, you know, it's, it's coupling its work as supplemental training in addition to his little Caesars program and, and some of the other AAA, AA programs in, in the area. But I think that's a huge thing is that, you know, the, he's, he's working on the individual skill for these players. They're getting better and they're translating that individual skill to success on the ice and their teams. And it's working because these players that he's working with are getting recruited to the USHL, getting recruited to drafted into major juniors. They're signing D1 scholarships. Uh, for future roster spots are getting pulled into the U.S. development program. Uh, you know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The, the, the players they're work, he's working with are jumping to the next level and, and making it to that, the highest level of, of amateur hockey. So, you know, that's my third, my third star today. I thought, I thought it was really cool getting a, a look kind of on what his philosophy, coaching philosophies at that academy are and what he's doing. So it's pretty cool stuff. What do you think about uh, second star, Danny? For sure. And they're obviously doing the right thing. But second star is, and if you haven't yet, you need to go check out his Instagram and his YouTube, KR underscore hockey underscore development. Uh, he is coming out with some unbelievable interviews with just former NHL hockey players or current NHL hockey players where they just continue to give out wisdom, tell their story, uh, help young players out all the time. They've got they've got Brian Russ, Cam Fowler, um, I think they did one with the, uh, the help me out here, the, uh, the goalie, the emergency backup goalie. Um, they did one with him, the, the one that came in for the, the Canes. Ayers, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they did it with him. So he's just, he's coming out with unbelievable content, reaching people all over the place. And so second star, you need to go check that out again. Uh, KR underscore hockey underscore development. He's doing some big, big things. So don't forget to check that out. Number one star for Mr. Kenny Ryan. I couldn't let this slip. I had to fight for this number one star because it means a lot. <laughs> this guy won a Memorial Cup. Like, just think about that. That's, and I know the Stanley Cup is the most like elusive. Hopefully, that's the right word. Like, does that mean cool? Does elusive mean cool? <laughs> hard, Hopefully, uh, hard to hard to attain. I mean, I think it, okay, you know that's yeah. the, the the pinnacle of hockey being the Stanley Cup. But uh, yes, you know, but when you think about the Memorial Mem Cup, the the Memorial Cup is uh, you have to win your unless you're the host, which I hope they weren't. But uh, <laughs> you have to win the OHL, which they did that year, and then they have to go and win the Memorial Cup, and so. It's like uh, it's like winning the cup and then going on and winning another like tournament of the best of the cup. And so, the guy the guy won a Memorial Cup with the the Windsor Spitfires. Um, he had guys on that team like Ryan Ellis, Zach Cassian, and he talked about the ways that his coach was able to manage and hand stuff. And so, number one star is that Kenny Ryan did something that not a lot of people do. And every and I know he's an American born boy shout out USA, but, uh, he, he's done something that Canadians grow up living and breathing for, and he did it. So that was pretty unbelievable. Um, 
Plus, he played with our guy, Tim Jackman, and I, I loved when he talked about he always played with big bruisers so he could kind of do whatever he wanted on the, on the line. So it was an awesome interview, but those are three, two, one, all of our stars, and it was pretty pretty awesome. What, do you, what else you got for us, Coach? No, I think that sums it up. I think uh, Kenny Ryan, obviously, he's coming in, coming in hot, you know, fresh in the coaching career. I think we're going to hear a lot from him over the next few years, and, and I think he's got a bright coaching path ahead of him. And I mean, you're exactly right. What he's accomplished on the ice is is no small feat from any any way you look at it. So it was, it was a pretty cool thing to be able to to pick his brain and see what his thoughts were and. And I'm excited to follow his career kind of going forward and hopefully yeah. we'll have a chance to talk with him again. But, you know, Kenny, uh, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. It was, it was a great time having a chance to meet you and talk with you and learn, learn from you. Hopefully the uh, listeners liked it. And if you do, um, make sure you give it a, give us a, a share, a like, a subscribe, tell your teammates, tell your coaches, um, and, and we'll keep growing. We'll keep getting on great guests like, like Kenny Ryan and, and others. So we'll keep that going. That's, that's kind of my final thoughts yeah. for the, for the day. What do you say? For sure. And Kenny, when you coach in the NHL, don't forget about us, come back, do a <laughs> podcast, uh, NHL style. So we appreciate you and, uh, let's go coach. Let's go. All right, let's go hockey podcast listeners. This is producer Vinny closing out the show with you. One final thank you to Kenny Ryan for coming on the show. Thank you so much to him for coming on the podcast. If you want to find out more about Kenny, make sure you scroll down. All of his info will be in the description below. You're going to want to check him out. He puts a ton of great stuff up. So go give Kenny a follow, a like, a subscribe, whatever you can do. We want to make sure we thank our sponsors. First of all, hockeywolf.com and lacrossewolf.com. For all things hockey and lacrosse, we hope that you guys are using them for all of your hockey and lacrosse needs. Finally, Gel Stick Sports. Gel Sticks are the most innovative and best weighted training aids on the market for hockey, lacrosse, and golf. They've got it all. And if you haven't heard about Gel Sticks, you need to go check them out at gelsticks.com. That's G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Get yourself a weighted training aid and maximize your next training session with a Gel Sticks. Right now, we've teamed up with them to offer you, our wonderful, wonderful listeners, 20% off your entire order. Go visit their website and fill up your basket with all of the training aids for any sport that your heart desires. Then use promo code LETSGO at checkout. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. Save yourself 20%. Get a training product to help you maximize all of your time off the ice, on the driving range, whenever you're shooting in your backyard. Hockey, lacrosse, golf, they've got it all. So go to gelsticks.com today and let them know that we sent you by using the promo code Let's Go. So thank you so much to Gelsticks and thank you, the listener. You know we love you and we couldn't do this without you. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>